This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome back to Rockcast, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with Spark Development Network, give you updates on Rock, the product, and the community, and basically keep you in the loop. I'm Emily Foreman. I have John Edmiston here today, and we have lots of exciting updates that are kicking off the, the new year here for our team. So we always have to start with, where are we with Rock? Well, we have a lot of things going on right now. So... Uh, 10 has obviously been out and, and out in the wild. People are upgrading and that's great. We have 10.2, lots of new things going into 10.2, a lot of bug fixes in 10.2 and some new features in 10.2. Uh, a lot of people have been asking lately, what is the release date for 10.2? And on point releases, we really don't have like a schedule. We put it out when it's, when it's needed. Um, either there's enough bugs that need to be squashed and, and put out that we put it out. Um, Right now we're trying to hold back a little bit longer because there's some more things that we want to add to it before we release it. Uh, we've been in uh, several features going on at once, right? We had nine and 10 kind of in co-development and 11 is actually in development now. So we're kind of untangling some of these feature sets and trying to get uh, enough uh, things into 10.2 that we can build off of in the 10.0 branch. So one of the things that's kind of interesting is on these point releases, we can't make model changes in Rock uh, unless we plan it ahead, okay? So we can't make model changes in 11.0 until we finish making model changes in 10.2. You can only have that model change like token is kind of how we refer, refer to it in one place. Mm. So we're kind of holding back and adding things into 10.2 so we can build more and more features in 10 that won't require 11. And, and why do we do that? It's mainly because there's there's clients who'd want things added to core that everybody's going to be able to get and, and, and take advantage of, but they have specific due dates. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, you know, camp season's coming up. That's something that we've been really planning for. And, and there's some um, new tools that we want to add. And so uh, that's kind of holding up a 10.2 going out. If it's if it just simply like a bug patch thing, we probably would start to release it now. But we want to hold on to it just for a couple more weeks um, before we send it to alpha and beta testing so that we can get um, the, the the framework or the foundation built for some of these new features coming out. So that's why it's taking maybe a little bit longer for us to put it out there, but there's so many good things in it and it's going to, it's going to add features, but it's actually going to have the foundation that we can build more features on um, before the summer season. Uh, that said, 11 is still going. There's, there's lots of features being put into 11. Uh, so it's it's pretty active back here, and it's and it's it's um, a little bit difficult to kind of figure out like which branch are we putting this into, and you know there's a lot of communication going on to making sure that we keep everything straight. Yes, it's definitely fast paced around here when and the planning required to build in what feature goes where, how we map it out, how we hit a uh, a church deadline, how we hit internal deadlines, and and keeping that all flexible in real time is is a challenge, but it's pretty exciting to see it come together. Yeah. I mean, even this week, there's a lot of deadlines that we're working on. And in fact, that's why, you know, Nick's not able to join us uh, today. He's 
right now actively working on a, a very big project for a church uh, that has a, a deadline that's um, and everything's going really smooth. So it's it's great to see that, but unfortunately, you couldn't be with us today for good cause. Yes. Well, if anyone who's listening here has a desire to see what happens around here and at the same time really influence their skill set in the rock world, the masterclass that's coming up next, the first one of 2020, is really something that you want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. It is held here on premises. Um, You have the opportunity to tour our offices and say hello, uh, but you also have the opportunity to sit in a classroom with a a small number of people with a rock... um, instructor who's on our team to help you really understand how to administrate and use rock and and understand its feature sets so you can go back home and be the trainer of your trainers Um, there are a lot of people who've told us this is on their wish list for this year we haven't yet seen all of those people sign up for this class so one thing to be aware of is the way we typically see our registration patterns Um, they fill up pretty quickly at the closer to the end so if you're considering doing that you just haven't gotten your registration in yet i know it's been the holidays it's been very hectic Um, getting the right approvals in place and getting all those things done has been a bit delayed but I would say you'll probably want to get on that here in the next few days um, because we do expect to see that class filling right up based on the feedback we've had from the community. Also, I think it was last, just the fourth quarter of last year where we broke 100 overtime masterclass grads. And we've been able to really see the rise in um, the community at the same time online in chat. And it's pretty exciting. So Definitely something you want to be a part of, uh, something that benefits you greatly in your job. If you are um, on a staff with a church that's using rock, benefits the community, um, benefits uh, benefits everyone. A huge asset to your church, though. So make sure and get signed up for that. Yeah. Plus the weather is amazing right now. This is a perfect time to come out. And you, these classes really do bring a sense of community just to that class. We all go out and eat uh, mm-hmm. on one night, but we really find that the people who come to these classes, they stay in this like tight group and then they meet up each other with each other at the conference. And it's, it's kind of like a lifelong little group that they, they go to for questions. And, it's their graduating and class. Right. It, it really is. It's cool to see that community. Mm-hmm. Everybody shares contact information and has their little go-to group. So it's definitely a, a huge asset. Right. And speaking of things you don't want to miss, we have to talk about the Rock Conference coming up this year because we are putting so much work into it right now and we're very excited about it. You know, it's going to be a little bit um, different this year in that we are working based on feedback we've had for years on how to restructure things so the whole community can be together around the clock in one space. And I think this year we've really landed on a solution that's going to be fantastic Mm -hmm. um, at the Renaissance Hotel here uh, in the Phoenix area. Stay in the room um, on premises, go to the conference sessions during the day. Uh, we're, We're in great communication with the event planners at the hotel space to make sure we have all sorts of open areas and seating in the evenings for people to connect and some really fun things planned to help with community connections in the evenings. So this is an absolute must. Yeah, and the lobby space that you know we have is like six stories tall. We can be there all night just mm-hmm. talking and there's some really great just spaces in that area that you know people can kind of either stand or sit and have, you know, little breakouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited. It's it's there's not going to be a lot of sleep 
those nights. This is going to be solid community time. It's going to be fun too. It's going to be pretty fantastic. And we'll have some things we'll do to help facilitate some of those interactions and some off the cuffs. So there'll be lots of opportunities and, and angles to take on that. Yeah. One interesting thing that we're also trying to add mm-hmm. is we, we named it rock experience because we really wanted to, for people to be able to experience rock. And we've, we've had that, like, I, I feel like we've done a pretty good job with that, but this year we're going to really break it out. So we've already been talks uh, with zebra and some other vendors to come out and have more expo. So you can kind of see the actual printers. You can talk to a zebra rep. You can ask questions about it. Cool. I think so many times we see all these printers that they have, um, but we always go with the standbys because we know they're going to work and everybody's using them. But sometimes you're like, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder if I could, if I could just hold it, touch it, ask some questions about it. I might be interested in that one. We want to have much more um, conversations around that. So you can see touch, not just, printers, but, you know, lots of different things. Um, Zebra's going to bring out some, you know, tablets and lots of cool stuff. And we're trying to get some other uh, hardware and software folks to actually see, touch, play with at the at the conference. Mm-hmm. That will be fantastic. That'll be a little bit different than just experiencing it through maybe our registration or check-in or some other things that we've done. The, the real hands-on experience, I think, will be highly beneficial. Mm-hmm. So that said, if you are a vendor listening to this and you have um, hardware that interacts and is compatible with Rock, reach out to us if you'd like some uh, booth expo space at the conference, and we'd we'd love to chat. Um, we are definitely right now actively getting our sponsors put together for the event. Mm-hmm. We are uh, actively working on our speaker lineup. Um, many of you may have been contacted by us. If you haven't been and you have a topic or two that um, you have in mind, something you've learned as a best practice, um, a project that went really well at your church in Rock over the past year, please do reach out to us and let us know. We're anticipating needing around 60 or so speakers this year, uh, probably a few more. So definitely are interested in hearing what you have to say. If we've asked you and you haven't replied yet, um, it might be just because you're thinking about what that looks like. That's all stuff we can iron out as we go forward. We also need some people that can volunteer to help in tracks for people who are new um, and and helping with a few things like that too. So if you know you can, if you know you'll be there, and you could help us out with some of that, that's fantastic. Whether or not you have your topic in mind, let us know. And uh, we may have some opportunities where we need someone uh, to help with something and we already know what it is too. Yeah, and I think one of the exciting things about this conference, talking about the expo, talking about the speakers, is I feel feel like this is like the first time where space is not a limitation. Yes. It's really, what do we want to do? And there's so much space that, I mean, the conference expo area where for the vendors and where we'll be eating is so big. I mean, you could play two hockey games in there. It's so huge. And, uh, it's just nice not being limited by that. It really is. We've always taken the feedback seriously that we've gotten from people after the conference in our surveys. But some of the things we've had to say, yeah, I know that that would be really nice that we do have a limitation on on space or on you know some other uh, type of thing that we haven't been able to address in the past. And we've really kind of blown some of those limits out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty fantastic. So if your registration's not in place, please uh, do set that up. If you're a sponsor, check out our sponsor page and look at the options there. Reach out if you have questions about anything. We expect to have a lot more information with speaker lists and that type of thing up on the website in February. 
early February. So keep checking back to see as our, our tracks and speakers begin to evolve and be made public. Yeah, super excited by it. And it's, it's, we're actively working on it major right now. Like lots mm -hmm. of times we put in this, it's, I feel like the conference just happened, but in a sense, like it's close to happening again. It is. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, um, we are doing a fun event for the community the night before conference starts. So when you're booking your travel, make sure you're coming in Monday morning at the latest and you're staying through Thursday morning at the earliest. Otherwise, you're bound to miss something and feel regretful about it and not be able to make those last minute changes to accommodate. Yeah, and we've always intentionally made it a two-day conference. I mean, I think most people would probably make it two and a half days, but we really felt that that extra half day is always, when they do that, is always kind of the wasted time and we're really trying to compact this in so don't right. try to compact it further right because it's already compacted tight a lot of people treat that extra half day as sort of optional anyway yeah. and that's you know not really fair to the speakers and um not really what we were going for so don't cut off extra time i think is right a good message you've already booked all that time and squeezed it in yes so get your conference registration in and book your hotel rooms. You have to do both of those. You don't want to be staying somewhere else. You want to be staying right on site or you might be missing the the whole point of what we're doing here, which is to keep everybody together. Um, so make sure and get those registrations in. There are limited room registrations, so you'll mm -hmm. want to do that sooner rather than later. And we've worked really hard to get those room rates really low. We really have. I mean, it's a great deal for that it hotel. That's is. a huge deal. Yep. So if you have any questions about anything and that's been holding up your registration, reach out, let us know. We'll help you uh, get the answers that you need on those. Yeah. So it's 2020. It's kind of hard to believe. I'm still kind of having shock. Every time I write the year down, I have to pause for a minute, sometimes scribble it out. I'm, I know I'll get this soon. I'm, I'm working really hard on getting my brain up to speed with current dates. But uh, the other thing that we've noticed beyond just the year changing, the calendar changing, is our dev team is growing. Yes, yeah, so we've uh, in the last week added an additional developer to our dev team and we're about to add another one next week. So uh, this is the fruit of many, many months, literally many, many months of searching and interviewing and um, praying uh, for. So and it's finally coming through and it's it's pretty exciting. In fact, the one that's coming tomorrow, we've been talking to that um, individual for, gosh, I feel like it's over six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting for the right time and um, and just waiting for the, the timing to be right. So really excited about the additional horsepower to the team. Uh, it, that always in the beginning, that ramp up is it takes time and, and energy, but we're excited to do that and to build out the team further. And then um, even long term, it's you have now more more uh, horsepower to have to pour fuel into like mm -hmm. features and make sure your architecture and requirements are all typed up and ready for all of the additional work that they can do. But we're super excited um, by uh, the individuals and mm -hmm. what they're going to be able to contribute to the team. Definitely. It's exciting too, because I think this, this shows out the, the faithfulness of our community in buying the vision of what we're doing in supporting it and continuing to show up in really buying into the model. Um, all of this is possible because of the community. And so we're excited to be able to begin uh, paying that back uh, mm -hmm. in, in with the composition of our team and the work that we're able to do. Yeah, and I really hope that those churches see us as an extension of their team. I mean, mm -hmm. we really are. 
And so in a sense, they're getting two additional resources right. to their team, uh, which is going to allow us to move a little faster and uh, also be able to do more uh, on both the professional services side and on the core side. Absolutely. What an exciting way to kick off a new year. And those two sides are really are say, this, two sides of the same coin because the professional service side is really adding stuff into core right. that everybody gets. So it's interesting how you know they often seem like two things, two different things, but in actuality, they're just... Uh, the same thing. Right. And we've had people say before to a developer uh, on our staff or to, are you, now are you a core developer or are you working on uh, projects for churches? And our developers can't really tell you they're one or the other because our projects are all part of the same release cycles and, and everybody works on something here and something there. And um, so we don't really divide the team up that way. Yeah. And I think over time, it, it does seem it might just be a trend temporarily, but maybe not, that the amount of custom work we're doing that doesn't go into core is actually going down. Right. Almost all that work is in core. And that's pretty cool. And just the amount of churches saying, hey, I really want to build something not just for myself, but for all churches is just unbelievable. And even some of them are saying, hey, like if it takes a little bit more time or money, I I want it to be used for everybody. Uh, Just let me know. Let's talk about that. And that, again, blows you away. Absolutely. That is fantastic. And then we have these interesting conversations about development cycles and timing. And um, and that's one of the reasons, as we were just talking about, that we build these functionalities into our dot releases so that we can continue to fill those needs for the churches we're working with. Yeah. A lot of times it kind of feels like, you know, trying to have to arrange all the all the pots to catch everything because you, you got to do it in a certain way because there's certain limitations. It's almost like a puzzle game that you have to do. <laughs> right. So, it's very much like a puzzle game. Yeah. With different rules that you can't, okay, you can't do this unless you do that. And and so it's kind of fun, although I'm looking forward to having fewer uh, spinning pl- plates or branches in our terms uh, going. So we're, within a few weeks, we'll have a, f- a few less branches to have to worry about. That'll be nice. Yeah. Now, all of this takes some serious, as you said, planning. Um, The architecture is a a major part of what we do around here. And we've Mm -hmm. begun talking about it a little more uh, because it is such a major thing. And we we reference it a lot. Like, we're not just going to build something for today. We're going to build something that interacts with everything the right way and is as future compatible as we can make it. Um, So we've started to field some questions about what our architecture best practices are and, and the way we do that. John, can you share a little bit about where what you're thinking about on that front? Yeah, so I think in one of the last podcasts, um, we were talking about how we're trying to um, flesh out some of our best practices. And a lot of that goes back to stuff you're working on with the team in terms of having a codex, which is kind of a fancy weird term we use for like a document um, of all of your lessons learned for each of the different areas on our team. So every team member here at Spark is now working on a codex. And it could be that some of them are working on it together and as, a, as a small team of, of like um, uh, people who work on the same types of things. So it might be like a consulting codex or it might be a technical architecture codex or a development developer codex. We've had that one for a while. Um, but everybody's working on putting these best practices into paper. And I would recommend everybody do that mm-hmm. even in the community. Um, some people sounds like, well, why would I do that? Like, I don't need to do that. Like, I know it. Um, but I think from a healthy, mature organization, everybody should have their, how they do their job on paper. Some people would again say, well, why would I do that? Because it puts me out of a job if I, yeah, exactly. Because 
you should be growing. Mm-hmm. The job you're in today should not be the job you're in, in in a year or five years. So you're really helping onboard the person who's going to help you move on to bigger, better things. Um, we always say here too, well, if we keep growing, it's unlikely you're, you're going to be doing the same everything in your job. You won't be able to do that. It's going to be expanding. So you're going to help the person come on next to you. And um, when that person starts, you can't tell them everything you know because you don't know it. You've forgotten it. You just right. do it. It's part of your habit. There's so many things that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you need to do that. And that person's been here a year and I haven't told them that because <laughs> I didn't write it down. So we're going through that. And I think we mentioned it um, on the last podcast and a couple people have actually reached out and said, hey, I'm really interested in that. When is that going to be ready? And so uh, we're really surprised and, and excited that people are excited. So we're going to put together some videos to kind of go over that. But I think in the meantime, we're actually going to, on the podcast, go over some of those concepts I feel like if we wait for the videos, it's going to take too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably in the next series of podcasts, we'll start sharing with you how we, um, for instance, how would we interview a, a client to get their requirements? That's a very interesting um, process. Like you have to steer it right. Otherwise you can come out the other side with not enough information, or maybe you have come out with a solution that's not optimal because you listened and did exactly what they wanted and they didn't really know what they wanted. So we have some tips and tricks to um, gather those requirements. And so we'll share those on the next podcast. But we we are documenting that for ourselves, but then we want to make that content available for the community. We're not going to lock it up within the spark walls. Um, as it becomes ready to be shared, we want to put that out. And so I think we have one that originally we didn't think would be of interest, but maybe it would, is how we do estimating So we're going to put out a video on three-point estimating uh, and how to do that. It's really a great tool uh, that gives you tighter estimates, yet still lets you think through the risk of each of the items, which I think is what's great. It's not like like random guessing and padding. So how do you think that three-point estimating could be applied inside the church world? Well, I'm guessing that almost everybody listening to this podcast is asked to do work. within their organization, or they might have a project within the organization. And of course, every senior leader wants to know how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes they may not, the level of that oversight might vary, but the professionalism that you can give back should always be consistent. I mean, even if they're not, you know, breathing down your neck for the deadline, I'm sure they're curious of when it is. And if you can go back to them with a well-considered uh, deadline and talk to them about probabilities of it hitting a certain mark, I think they're going to be impressed. Um, it builds up um, confidence in in you and your role, uh, but it also helps you do your role. So we have a, a saying here, which seems kind of obvious, but it's so important that we have a ready, aim, fire mm-hmm. mentality. So we always want to prepare our work. We want to um, figure out how we're going to do something before we tell a client how much it's going to cost. And again, most of you are probably going, really, what's so special about that? But we live in a culture that's ready, fire, aim. We don't like to do that pre-work. We want to jump right in and just start working on it. And that is like literally the worst thing you can do in technology. You do not want to be figuring it out as you go. I mean, literally, your code, your solution, your workflow, whatever you're doing is going to be not good if you're figuring it out as you go. And I have to be honest, I think in, in the past, we've, We've we struggled a little bit with that, and we've had a lot of rework because of that. 
you know, our standards are high, so we're never going to let that work go out. But it means that we had to rework stuff or refactor stuff. And you don't want to refactor something that hasn't even seen the light of day yet. Right. And that, that, that's telling you that you, you ready, fired, aimed. And uh, there's just in our culture this huge desire just to get started. And we feel like we need to get prepared. I think there's a famous quote attributed to Lincoln that I'm probably going to butcher, but he, he basically said, hey, if I was given an hour to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first 50 minutes sharpening my axe. And that's what Ready, Aim, Fire does. It, it just really is sharpening the axe before we use it, making sure we know exactly what we're going to do. And that three-point estimate is, is the starting point, really, that um, once you get the requirements, which we're going to talk about maybe in another podcast, it's really how do you plan that estimate that's, that's so key. So if you find yourself painted into that proverbial corner, it might mean the next time around, add your add to your expectations of planning. Yeah. And I think it makes it more defendable because I think when you watch the video, you're going to see that it's really um, helps you get a number of hours, but then it can give you a confidence level too. So, hey, you know, here's my number of hours. I feel like it's going to take 20 hours, but it could be as high as 24 or as low as 16. And you're going to have like true facts and statistics to back that up. And so I think in showing that risk will make maybe the spreads even wider and your, and your senior leadership would be like, well, why the, the huge spread? And you can break down your work. Well, here, you know, here's the things I'm uncertain about. I know what I'm going to do, but I'm uncertain how long it's that those things are going to take. And I think when they see that, they're going to have confidence in that, okay, you're just not like being lazy or padding your estimate. Um, I mean, that's the worst thing that we don't want to do either. We don't want to pad our estimates because of uncertainty. We want to approach that uncertainty in a structured way mm-hmm. and make sure that the statistics back it up. And, you know, uncertainty is a, is a fact. But when you're just kind of like licking your thumb and sticking it in the air and going, yeah, it's about, you know, let's add some, you know, add six hours for padding on that. Yeah, that, that's scary. Because mm-hmm. that level of planning means either someone's going to overpay or you still didn't do your due diligence and think it through and you're going to come in lower. And now that's, you, you lose money on the project. If we lose money on the project, that's very bad because we're a nonprofit. Right. And, you know, we didn't pad it. And also that means someone else has to pay for that. And we don't want that, you know. We also don't want a scenario where one person takes requirements and uh, gets an estimate in place that everyone agrees to for an amount of time. And then someone else has to do the work and realizes that, that it really wasn't, the solution wasn't mm-hmm. well fleshed out. Right. And that padding can't necessarily make up for that. Sometimes it's something isn't possible a certain way, and and the rest of the the uh, action items inside that project require that first part to be feasible, and and maybe it wasn't. Right, and that's that's again human nature too. Like we're very uh, free with other people's time and stress, and sometimes <laughs> not as much with our own. So I always try to too when I'm trying to estimate. Like I'm I'm imagining me doing it. Mm-hmm. Like how would I feel about this estimate? And then I play other games like, okay, well, if I if I um, had a thousand dollar wager on that number, how how much how much tension would I feel? Now I don't let that let me pad the estimate, but I, I just use it as a tension factor. Like, okay, I'm feeling tense about that, so let's let's reconsider this. Maybe I need to go in and and do a little bit more work to figure out exactly how. Maybe my tension is about I'm uncertain about how I'm going to do it. If that's the case, stop. Like. The, the risk factor of a three-point estimate, if you don't know how, that's not the that's not why you're putting risk in there. If, go figure out the how. It's more about like, okay, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm just not sure. Like the, maybe I'm setting up DNS. And last time I set it up, you know, I had problems with my DNS service. And 
that took me a little bit longer. It's for planning for things like that, those types of uncertainty. Never for like, well, I need to do workflow. I'm not sure how, how I'm going to do it. You know, I would plan out, okay, these are the major actions I would use. And um, because if you have to ever fall back to using like a SQL action in a workflow, it's going to take longer than a normal action. And you, d- you need to know that. That's a good point. So all of this is basically telling us, I think, that plan for a considerable amount of time in planning mm-hmm. and the whole project will go better. It's sharpening your axe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever chopped a tree with a dull axe. That's not fun. I haven't ever chopped a tree with any sort of axe. Really? I have not. Mm-hmm. I have to confess. Chainsaw? No. Mm. I do have a sister who is certified in chainsaw chopping chainsaw i don't know i once built a addition under my uncle's log cabin and we went out to the forest and dragged the trees out and so a lot of chainsawing involved and i have to say he was really good like every time we went out he was before he's out the night before he's out there sharpening his chain and uh bringing extras and like that guy was very well prepared and it's amazing how much a chainsaw will cut with a sharp blade Hmm. versus a not so sharp blade i feel like i need a field trip at this point yeah Jackson Hole. All right. We'll have to get on that later. All right. Um, So we've been having some great conversations with the team also as we kick off the year. And uh, John, you ran across something super interesting that you brought back to the team at our most recent staff meeting about our mindfulness loop. And and it was a concept that I hadn't thought of ever before, um, but it really resonated. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. It's probably a concept you hadn't heard of, but, but you do it. Like it's built into the way you think, which is which is what I think was fascinating to me when I when I read about it or watched a video about it. So it was New Year's Day and I was, you know, just watching some YouTube videos trying to figure out like, okay, what's going to be different this year for me? And it was more on planning and thinking um, patterns. And this one guy said, hey, as one of his ways of how successful people get things done is, is wait, the concept he called the mindfulness loop. And he basically said successful people have a mindfulness loop running inside their head and they're constantly have these dependencies in their life. So my dependencies might be something like, um, and I think there's two levels. There's a macro level of dependency. So mine might be, well, I'm the technical architect working on rock. So that's a pretty broad thing, right? And then there's micro dependencies. I need to work on this feature for V11, um, maybe digital signatures. That's a micro, it's very, very down in the weeds. But we have these dependencies and basically what we need to do, successful people do, is they is they think through these dependencies all the time. So they're every week or every day they're okay, as a technical architect, what do I need to be doing better? Like what what needs my attention? What do I need to be pushing on? And so they're constantly in their head putting these mindfulness these dependencies through a mindfulness loop. And they're always, okay, what do I need to do next on this? What do I need to do next on that? And I find that I I do that a lot. Like I'm driving pretty much all day I'm just thinking about something else okay what do I need to do next on this how can I make this better and I'm keeping notes and I email myself like constantly I like over the weekend I might email myself 30 times different ideas or articles or things to research Um, and so what he's saying though is if you don't have that loop yet and I mean yet because you can get it there's a there's a way you can get that and that's first to be intentional is to map out your dependencies at the macro level and the micro level and then you want to set up time on your calendar, block it, do it, and think through all those dependencies and say, how do I need to push this forward? What can I do next? What's waiting for me? You know, there's a lot of entropy. As systems without mm. having energy poured into them like go into chaos. And that's basically what this is saying, is that you have these dependencies, whether you like them or not. 
they're assigned to you, you have them. People are expecting them. And they may not all be work-based. It might be even like, you know, raising your kids or, or your marriage. Um, and if you don't pour energy into them, they're just going to just go into chaos. And I think that's kind of what this principle is about. And the, the successful people I know, I can see them doing that because they're coming proactively saying, okay, we need to worry about this or that. Um, I mean, you do it all the time, even like small things like this podcast, you're preparing what we're going to talk about. You're preparing the special guests. No one's telling you to do that. It's in a mindfulness loop where you're thinking ahead and saying, okay, what do I need to do to, to prepare all this out? Um, and it, I think the light bulb moment for me was just hearing it articulated. Definitely. I've, I've never heard that spoken before, but it is very interesting. And I think, I think maybe if you do that today and you haven't thought about it, it might have originated from pain points in the past mm-hmm. um, because building that awareness helps to keep you from getting hit upside the head with something unexpected uh, in an area where you were supposed to be on top of it and you weren't. Uh, sometimes that happens and you don't realize that some responsibility was handed off to you or that it exists in sort of this weird nether world and nobody cares there, um, <clears throat> but it will impact you in the future. So I'm pretty sure I can look back on things in my life and say, oh, that was really painful. I got hit once or twice by that one. And I thought, how do I prevent getting hit the next time? And over time, you kind of build up these mental processes and systems where you're like, oh, got to check in on that again. Uh, make sure that's not going to hit me or hit someone else that I care about. And and over time, it, this framework kind of gets put together. I'm, it'd probably be pretty hard to just grab the framework and, and wear it immediately without that awareness and without kind of building up, start with those pain points and say, how can I make this better in the future? Right. It's really developing that habit if you don't have it. And for those who don't have the mindfulness loop, they're basically letting life happen to them and, they're, and then they're forced to react constantly. I think that's kind of what you just described is this, you got hit on the side of the head and you had to react and then you, re- right. you realize reacting just doesn't work. I mean, no, there can, aren't any good options left at that point. You, you have bad choice A, bad choice B and bad choice C. Which one do you want to take? And you might be able to survive your, your career or your job at that point. It's probably a job <laughs> and a career. Um, but you're constantly, it's not fun. It's like this tension of always being hit by the brick and just learning to buck up and take it versus getting out ahead of it and realizing you don't have to be in the way of the brick. You, mm. can, you can move. And that's true for projects and tasks, but I think it's true for relationships too. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look back on a relationship that feels like it's crumbling suddenly and think, "How? where did this come from? How did this happen? And then if we look back, we realize, well, maybe we weren't giving it great care and feeding over time. Yeah. And I think the person who was doing the video was really, he mentioned that a lot of this, who people who have it might've come from their childhood. Hmm. that their parents instilled it either hmm. most of it not intentionally but sometimes you know unintentionally he he references a moment when he looks back and his mom one day he was a he's a teenager and halfway through the day his mom yells up from down below hey did you take a shower yet today and he's like thinking like of all the things to say right now like why why were you thinking <laughs> but she had a mindfulness loop have my kids bathe today like you know that all of a sudden it comes to her mind in her mind in her pattern of mindfulness loop and he thinks that by living in a culture like that, it kind of developed these things. And I, I can look back at my childhood and I, I can see that. Like my parents definitely had a mindfulness loop that I can, I can probably say I inherited through nurturing, right? Um, sometimes <laughs> nurturing might be the right term. It might be bricks. Um, <laughs> you get thrown enough bricks, you're like, okay, die. 
but it, but it's a gift. You know, right. I, I make I joke about that, but it really is a gift. It's learning to anticipate those things. Okay, so that gives me a lot of hope that at some point my nine year old son will develop a mindfulness loop about his own dirty socks. Yeah, when I I think mean, my my mom would probably she would have been shocked to know that I probably got a, a mindfulness loop, you know, in my younger years. Cause I was definitely like, it didn't exhibit quite yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes you have a mindfulness loop. Some people have mindfulness loops, but they choose not to listen to them. You know, that was probably me. Like oh. I knew I should do that, but I'm not going to do that, you know? And then over time you mature, hopefully it's flexing a little independence maybe or laziness. One of the two. Yeah. Sometimes they're <laughs> interwoven. Right. I want to try that out for a while. I want to see what being lazy feels like right now. Oh, painful. I got hit upside the head. Yeah, definitely. Well, it is fun to see that kind of thing develop in your kids and to it's I'm not sure it's fun to see it develop in yourself, but it does feel like gaining competence. Right. And I feel like the the more you do it, the more success you're going to see. And, you know, I can think back to my career. I in my long career in IT, I can I knew people in my in, in previous jobs who. Yeah. Looking back, it's like I don't know if they even realized had an idea that the future even existed because they never, ever, ever prepared themselves for it. Hmm. They always put themselves in situations. You're like, what? You didn't plan for that? Like, I remember at, working at CCV, the, the senior pastor, Don Wilson, he would always say, and he, it was so true, he prepared for every single meeting he went into that day, sometimes a week ahead of time. And he already knew what he was going to say. He knew what the other response was going to be. And he would have his, his um, you know, second tier points already prepared. And... In the beginning, I thought, well, that's a lot of preparation. You had a lot of meetings. Like, that's 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 interesting. But now I, I really can see how that is helpful. He's already prepared himself for all those meetings. There's no surprises coming. And uh, I look back and I'm like, that's, that's really smart. I know I've developed some things just... Um there are a lot of tools out there basically that are, that will help with all of this. And, um, I'm a task oriented person. So I have to use a mindfulness loop to remind me to check in on my relationships, not because they're not important to me. Um, but because my brain always goes to, Oh, check off all these things on the list. And then I can go be with the people. Cause I, I love people. I'm an extrovert. Um, but it, that's not a very successful pattern. It's just the way I know that's my default. So I, I use a lot of tools to help with my mindfulness loop in that area because that's my intention. It just isn't always my natural wiring. Um, so I use all sorts of different tools for everything from um, like renew this prescription so I don't have you know a gap in a prescription for somebody that I'm responsible for. Or um, I use reminders three weeks out from the birthdays of my friends and family. So I know that those are coming and I have time to do something. So I've even built in, I used to have a reminder on someone's birthday, then I would get hit upside the head with that uh, if I wanted to like send a gift to my niece or nephew. And so I built in like timeframes on that. And that's, you know, so I have those on a personal side too, as well as on a business side. And I've over time adjust them and, and think back, did that go right? Did that not go right? How could I make that better? And uh, eventually you kind of have this framework that helps you do life the way you want. Yeah, that's a good point that you can automate some of that too. And, mm -hmm. and if you can, you should. You should. And, and you know, oddly, I struggle with guilt about that sometimes. Like, oh, that should be natural. I should be remembering that that is coming and preparing for that and doing it. And guess what? 
life is moving way too fast for what should be natural to be relied on. And uh, so I would say use your human skills of, uh, you know, of empathy and of relationship and of all of those kind of things, um, and then rely on technology for the parts that it can do. And mm -hmm. then you have more capacity to dig into the really human characteristics of interacting with people. And Yeah. I mean, the human brain is not good at, at memory, but ironically, computers are. Right. And in terms of creativity and and um, innovation, mm -hmm. people are really good at that in mm -hmm. computers. Not so good. So like this is using the right storage mechanism and 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 tool. So anyway, I found that concept super helpful and um, I will be more intentional about it going forward. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it it's, makes me want to even do better at that, too. But I think from a team perspective, it's helpful that we can all do that because it helps us backstop each other more right otherwise the person with the mindfulness loop becomes the backstop right and that's not really fair to that person plus it's not it's not using them to their best it's making it for it's forcing them to become the mom or dad in the situation to right. to say hey did your, your socks are still on the floor when it it's not our socks like right and it makes sense if you have a nine-year-old but not really in a working environment right it's kind of embarrassing Right. <laughs> it also uncovers some things like assumptions. Maybe I'm assuming you've got it. You're assuming I've got it. Nobody's wrong. Uh, but the ball's about to drop and we wouldn't know it if we weren't, you know, having a conversation and, and adjusting our mindfulness loop. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. That was, that was wonderful. You also had a couple of really cool quotes that you shared at the last staff meeting. I was hoping you could bring today too. Yeah. And, and some of this, you know, we can probably, um, go and unpack in more detail when we talk about how to interview clients but uh, there's a great um, graphic designer who does a lot of great videos to help you become a better um, not just a designer he just certainly does that but more of a uh, a better leader a better um, consultant which is that even if you work in a church ministry that's what you are you're a consultant to your your ministry staffs um, and he said that as you're talking through a solution or a need that understanding is more important than speed and so th sometimes i think there's a real rush to try to get those requirements and um mm -hmm. you want to just kind of move on but you don't quite fully understand it and the, and the the message there is slow down like make sure you understand exactly what they're saying and maybe even talk about that in the beginning that hey we're gonna i really want to understand this so it might take a little longer which kind of goes into the next point which is um, give voice to feelings or frustrations. Um, they tend to diminish those frustrations and feelings um, and reduce the re intensity. And so we, we call that internally calling the foul. And so basically saying, hey, speak words that describe the foul and that therefore it removes the frustration to it. Mm -hmm. So, hey, here's my fear in the end. There's gonna, as we roll this out, there's there's gonna be some some turbulence here and we just need to make sure that you, you're aware of that. It's it's a difficult transition. And so we're gonna do our best. We're gonna try to get as much of it taken care of ahead of time, but there will be a few things that we need to clean up. If you say that, it takes away all the frustration, not all of it, but a lot of it when it, when it actually happens. Um, if you never say anything and it happens, they're like, that's unexpected now, right? So now right. the tension is like, hey, wait, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken. And I remember back when we rolled out um, Rock to CCV um, or at CCV, I had to do a, a, a 
presentation of a month ahead or two months ahead about the, the transition, how it's going to go. And one of the things I, I said is like, we're going to change the engines on this plane in mid flight. <laughs> you know, if anybody wants us to let us land for two or three weeks and not do any ministry, we'd be happy to do that. But we really don't feel like that's what you want. So we're going to change the engines mid flight. It's okay. We're not going to crash, but there will be a little bit of turbulence. So I just want to call that out. Okay. And, um, it went really well because the day of or the week of we did have, you know, a couple little things, nothing major, but, um, and the, if I hadn't said anything, I think there would have been issues and concerns, but we really, we, we literally had people run up and say, Hey, this isn't quite working right. Is that some of the turbulence you were mentioning? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. I mean, and because we gave it words and because we gave, we gave voice to that, it just neutralized a lot of that tension and frustration. Um, and I think that's so important. And sometimes we know those things. We just choose not to say them because it, it might be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's a hundredth the uncomfort level saying it ahead of time than when you have to say it in in the moment. Because at that point, it's hard to trust that. Right. It's easy to trust someone who, who calls it ahead of time. Um, and sometimes you might call it a foul that maybe doesn't even happen. Like maybe right. that, that thing didn't happen. But you could say, hey... What could happen, what, what commonly happens at this stage is you can see, we can see these types of things. Or if we don't plan it well, this could happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's okay. They probably even forgot that you said it. But when it does happen and you said it, it, it that linkage comes back. So it's better to talk through that, what the things that could go wrong. And um, so we really, that's one of the key things we always talk about is call the foul ahead of time. We do, and it's very effective. And speaking of effective, the first quote that you mentioned resonates with me because I I feel like we're always supposed to be balancing this tension of efficiency and effectiveness to do something right. Mm-hmm. And if one wins out entirely over the other, the the balance can be off and and something can go sideways. Um, so it's interesting to think about um, if you go too much toward efficiency, like get it done fast instead of get it done well, sometimes, at least for me, I can tend to start applying a filter that says fast is good, slow is bad, like a morality filter, right? And that's not true. Or even a stewardship filter. Like if I do this faster, it, I'm I'm having better stewardship over the resources that I'm responsible for and, and I want to have the best stewardship possible. But if you spiral with that too long, you're suddenly sacrificing your effectiveness for efficiency. And that isn't great stewardship. And that and the morality filter that I sometimes will find myself sliding toward needs a check because it's not accurate. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's a really good, succinct reminder of the balance that we need between effectiveness and efficiency. Yeah, that's really good. And I don't think there's a right answer to that. I think sometimes what people might think of as the morality filter, and I'm putting myself into this too, is that, is it a morality filter or is it just a rush to get it done? Sometimes it is, like like, like you said, I'm just trying to be efficient and effective, but sometimes it's like, I just sometimes the planning and some of these things that we talk about are, are like the vegetables on our plate. We don't want to eat them. They can be. Um, and so trying to figure out ahead of time, the understanding, cause I can, I literally can put myself in the situations where I didn't want to continue to understand what the, what the client was saying. Cause it hurt. It was like complex and, and the, the, everything inside your head is this screaming, like, don't worry, we'll figure that part out later. And that's when I've, why I try to, to pump the brakes and say, no, 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 I have to figure it out right now. We're no closer to understanding this than right now and to have to re get mm. back to this point is going to be hard and brutal. Yeah. 
but I've seen a lot of people do it and I, and I've been guilty of doing it. And, and I, in my head is screaming, just figure that out later. And that's when I have to say, okay, I don't mean to be, um, difficult, but I, I, I still don't understand it. I'm sorry. Can you, can you explain it even further? And I, I mean, I can think of situations, uh, on large projects in the past where everything in my body scrimped was screaming, just leave the meeting go to the restroom and never come back because <laughs> it's so difficult. And it's not that the client's being difficult. It's just that the task is being, to, is difficult mm. to understand and it's frustrating because I don't understand it and I want to. And that's when you just have to keep going. Like you'll get out the other side eventually. Um, but don't say, mm, we'll figure that out later when we need to. Your future you will not be happy. Right. And the client won't be happy. Your customer won't be that's happy. A good point. One of the mental models I'm trying to apply is, I, I love maps, right? I love them. I think they're fascinating. They represent all kinds of interesting things to me. They're intriguing. I have a mental map for time. Hmm. Time is like gold to me because I have a lot of responsibilities in a lot of areas. So I have a mental map with time and I feel like I can allocate certain things to certain places. And if I don't keep that balance right across everything, then I, you know, I feel out of whack. Um, so I am trying to create a, a, an overlay on my my time map that is a, uh, a like a strategy map, right? So strategically, yes, this could fit into this crack right here of time that I have to be, make my myself most efficient. But strategically, it deserves more than that. So could I could I make that happen and be super efficient with my time? Yes. Is that the best answer in this case? Probably not. So I'm I'm finding myself doing like what what kind of map overlays can I put on top of things mm. to be more strategic about how I allocate my time? That's really good. I don't think I'm that strategic with how I think about my time, which is probably bad. And so many times the only thing you can't manufacture or get more of. Right. You can get almost anything else in the, in this world, um, more of it if you, if you need it, but you can't do that with time. And I have a tendency to just go, well, I get, I'll just add more time, whether it comes from my personal time or, and which is unhealthy and bad. And I, that's interesting. I, I should probably think about that more. Well, if you can manage your margin, you, you can manage your life. Mm -hmm. That's what I've determined. But mm -hmm. sometimes that means it, if you really try and there's some amount of tightening you can do in your margins and then you can obsess about it and you can start creating problems instead of solving them. So that's, I don't know. There you go. There's my vulnerable state about my time mapping. Hmm. Well, in, in a lot of this, it was really speaking towards just doing the prep work ahead of time, going yes. back to the ax analogy. And he had another great analogy, Chris do is that the outcome of a fight is determined in the gym, not the ring. And that is so true in fighting. And it's true in, mm. in project management too, that the outcome of the project is going to be done in the preparation stage, not necessarily in the development or the, or the work stage. If you put that time ahead of time and, and I've seen that in life too, the more we've prepared a feature ahead of time, it just goes so much more smoothly through uh, development. Um, but that's, that's the area, honestly, I, when I look out, I see little preparedness in, mm. in some of the projects. Uh, where's the requirements document? Where's the mock-ups? Where's the, how are you going to do that part? Oh, I don't know. I think we'll just make a workflow. Does that? Mm, what actions will you be using? <laughs> I mean, I, you'd be surprised. I feel like I probably know the all the list of actions pretty well, probably in the top ten percentile of you know the community. But I'm always inside the sample workflows, like just adding new 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 actions, making sure I understand all the inputs that they have to make sure that everything's lining up and what I'm trying to do. Right. So I'm confirming all of that. 
ahead of time so that when the person goes to do it they're not left with like john like you, this doesn't work because we don't have this input it's like oh oops sorry that, that would be embarrassing for me right um so i'm always on the pre-alpha and demo sites you know tweaking things to make sure that all all the things line up wow we just unpacked a lot today yeah. So I don't know what the calendar switchover has triggered for all of our listening audience, but for us, it has definitely triggered some reset in thinking in why and how we think. Um, you know, uh, Greg with Healthy Growing Leaders talks about thinking about thinking, which when I first heard that concept, that was too much thinking for me. It was very deep, but I, I'm starting to understand what he means by that and the the thinking about things like our our patterns our ways we approach things is just it's so healthy um to to give some time to that and to consider is this the best approach as an organization as an individual and so we're we're putting a lot of effort into that this year and i'm i'm really excited to see where that takes us yeah well it's the start of a new year and, and my biggest fear is i want to be different at the end of the year than i am at the beginning and that means i have to be intentional about how i'm going to grow and what am i going to focus on and we also sit at the beginning of a new decade. Right. So I, I think it's really interesting. I play a game in my head too. I was like, okay, the 1920s, what, what's my perception of that? Well, it's, and what was the perception of the 1910s? And it seems like those are so drastically different, but it doesn't seem like that when you lit, when you project it to the, the 2000s and 10s and the, and the 20, 20s. Like, but I have to remember that, that these, are, these are the like, decades are big. And so how do I make sure that in the end of the 20s, the 2020s how am i going to be different like that's a scary thought like we've got to get working on that there are miles to go before we sleep yes <laughs> all right well thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, indulging us in our conversation here today um, we're very excited about the community and the growth that we see there and and anything we learn that we feel could have benefit to everyone we just want to be really open-handed with uh, knowledge and insights that come our way and we figure that's uh, better together Thanks for tuning in. episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com/sponsors. <laughs>